With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hi. It's Monday. Can you tell? And another Flex Alert Day today. Brought to you by the state of California. The find it, We're not talking about going to the gym where I was this morning. The um, the power. Can't get no powder, Captain. Give it an all she's got. Gavin Newsom, the, uh, the power mogul in chief. This would be, what, Friday, day four of the latest series of Flex Alerts, and summer's just getting underway. We're also going to talk about the whole, uh, you know, climate cap and tax and t- moving the money around. Uh, Christopher Horner has written the book, literally, several of them, about the uh, the climate situation, why California doesn't have enough power as the fifth largest economy in the world. You know, Newsom's working on it. And and, and this is, again, another little crisis out there that, uh, along with the fire dangers and water issues and so forth. And they, obviously the homeless crisis is huge, huge. And we'll get into all that. Uh, Chris will join us in the second hour today. Also, a little later on this hour, we'll talk about the passing of somebody who did something about the homeless, uh, Father Joe Carroll. And uh, Father Joe's villages used to be St. Vincent de Paul Center. But um, he passed away over the weekend, as you probably heard by now, at age 80. And Deacon Jim uh, Vargas, who took over the helm of that when Father Joe retired a few years ago, will give us the latest on you know, what's going on on the ground with regard to the homeless. Because they're one of the organizations that's been doing it right for a long time. Um, but they can't do everything, especially when the problem statewide continues in uh, a magnet type of way. San Diego's Talk AM 760. Mark Larson here. Hope you had a good weekend. Staying cool and flexing. I, of course, glutton for punishment. I decided to fly to uh, Lake Havasu over the weekend, where it was literally 119 on Saturday. So if I have any mental lapses today, uh, <clears throat> moments ago I walked back in the studio and Mike Mike Usher says, uh, by the way, your mouth is open. I was just I was looking at Biden speaking about gun violence in Chicago. Dangerous place to go. Uh, at any rate, um, yeah, it was uh, toasty, to say the least. So just face it head on, immerse yourself in it. I, I think I might have been on bake for most of the weekend. At any rate, um, let's talk Newsom and everything else. In the legislature, they're busy. They're down to the wire. The final several days before there's a break and the harder working out of the bunch, uh, State Senator Brian Jones joins us, 38th District Senator. Uh, give us the good news first, won't you, Brian? What's, what's, uh, what's, what's, give us a little sunshine from the land of Gavin and the, uh, and, and the Knucklehead Caucus this morning. Well, the, the good news, I suppose, is that the uh, budget deadline is June 15th. Uh, where is that now? Three, four weeks ago. And we still don't have a real budget in place. We've done several what we call budget trailer bills every week since then. And we'll, we'll probably do a couple more this week trying to finally get, uh, you know, the Democrats that are in charge of the assembly and the Senate and the governor all, uh, agreeing on how to spend all this extra money that the state, uh, taxpayers, you and I and your listeners have sent to Sacramento. And, um, you know, they just can't figure out how to spend all this money. Well, and and it's not like there's uh, everything's caught up. I mean, the unfunded 
obligations are huge. Oh, uh, speaking of huge again, they're like a yeah, trillion dollars or more, depends like on that. who does the estimates. So every right. time we yeah. hear the balanced budgets, because I like to point this out, that over the years until recent years, this time of the year is when everybody would get scared by Sacramento. They say, if we don't come up with something here, you're not going to get your this or that, and we're going to have to turn right. the lights off. And then the, right. the budget is supposedly balanced, but that's basically an accounting dance, isn't it? It, it, oh, yeah, and especially when you take into consideration a lot of people don't know, and I, I didn't know until I got here, was what's called education deferrals, is that the state holds back money from the school districts to help balance the the state's budget, but at the same, but then upsets the budgeting for every school district in the state until the state pays that back. Now, fortunately, the current budget uh, did remove those deferrals to the schools. But it's still, a, 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 I, in my opinion, a criminal way to balance the budget when you're just holding it back from organizations that, you know, rightfully have, you know, should have access to it. So, you know, unfortunately, after Prop 25 in, in 2010, with the majority vote rule on the budget, um, you know, gradually over time, uh, Republicans have been cut out of the the budget negotiations altogether. It used to be when it was a two-thirds budget that, uh, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans had to work together with the governor. Uh, and that's, you know, the way it had been for a long, you know, for, for a long time. And, you know, that was dysfunctional to some degree, but at least there was more sunlight on the process and it was more bipartisan on, on the result. Uh, but since 2010, Republicans are just, you know, cut out of the, the talks altogether nowadays. Now, are you going to be uh, jumping into the governor's race here? Because you have till Friday. You, know. <laughs> you want to add more stress to your life? Yeah, you, you know what that would. I, I think that would be the straw that broke the camel's back in my in my family and marriage. If uh, if I made that, uh, it wouldn't move so, along no. smoothly. Yeah, it, it, ha- it it hasn't even been a thought, Mark. It hasn't even been. Well, you need sixty five signatures, forty four hundred bucks. I mean, jump well, in. I, I'm still I waiting. Is there any buzz about anybody on the Democrat side who would dare to go up against Newsom? Because that's the big difference compared to two thousand three. Obviously, right. no, is that Newsom's buzz, uh, working behind the scenes to keep people out. Yep, the buzz right now is um, that he's done a good job of of keeping any significant Democrat off the ballot. Which, you know, you look at a political strategy, that's actually pretty smart of him uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, it, it creates a, a decision point for a lot of Democrat voters that are upset with him, but they don't have anybody else to choose. And will they choose a no party preference person or will they choose a Republican? That remains to be seen. The, you know, the, the, the election is not too far away. September 14th is. What is it? Two months away. Yeah, well, that's why the deadline for getting in to the gubernatorial consideration beyond the uh, the second question on the two question ballot is this right. Friday. Uh, Brian Jones with us, California State Senator. Um, is the uh, on, on, you know the whole, the whole thing with Newsom? He again assumes that he's home free, and maybe there's some truth to this because we're past June fifteenth and the state's more open. And although. On Friday, and I think there's going to be more clarification on this today, the state said, we're not going to do what the CDC says, so when kids go back to school right. this fall, they're going to keep wearing masks anyway. And, and Newsom's been AWOL on that, so he, he's assuming he's off the hook because the state's more open, but then there's that. Doesn't that stick to him? Well, I, I think, Mark, there, there's a lot of things. I, he doesn't think he's off the hook. I mean, look, they, they, Good. They, they purposefully 
put the recall election in September rather than their original thought, which was going to be November, because a lot of things can go can continue going wrong between now and September 14th. You know, we've got a, a forest fire up in, on the border with Oregon that's threatening a power line. Well, if that power line goes down between Oregon and California, we're already getting warnings from uh, Cal ISO that there's that there's going to be a potential. Uh, blackouts, not brownouts, blackouts. But blackouts. So yeah. this is the same. This, this is exactly why it's a bigger deal. Any of us who were around in 2003 in California, and I was, and you were, and when you go through this, uh, Gray Davis got got thrown out in the gubernatorial recall because the car taxes were too high. They're higher now, and he couldn't keep the lights on. And, right. and again, this boils down to whether it's Newsom or Jerry Brown and Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom or the legislature, no offense, Brian, uh, but right. over the years, to say, well, we, we have to just come back and you got to cut your water use back 15%. Uh, we'll strongly suggest that, but eventually mandated, I'm sure. The power issue, sure. reservoirs for storage. Right. This is all on their watch. And so it, it, I don't understand it, it how it's a matter, but it turns around and it's always our deal that we have to do something because they didn't. Right. The, 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 look, and Mark, I want, you know, the drought is real right now. I mean, now the, the um, blame goes to Brown and, and before that they haven't built extra reservoirs. And of course, Newsom's done nothing about that either. We, we need more reservoirs in California because we do have wet years. We just came out of a couple of wet years that if we would have captured a lot of that water, the drought would be, you know, a lot less than it is right now. But, you know, there's a, there's a real drought right now. Um, and how that gets handled and managed, of course, is going to be on the Democratic leadership in the governor's office. And, you know, the, the voters will have an opportunity in September to say how, how they agree with that. Forest fires, you know, we're, we're, we've got more equipment and more personnel than we've ever had, but we're still letting the environmentalists uh, control and tell us how to manage the forest. We're not letting the professional forest managers do their job that within the forest and keep the you know safe state. We we we've got a huge natural resource in Northern California on these forestry lands, these privately held forestry lands that the that the Wood is being grown for lumber and paper and plywood. And if we would allow those people to go to work and harvest that mm-hmm. crop, then, um, you know, and here's, 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 a, here's a novel idea that a lot of people lose track of. Trees are a, are a renewable resource. Gee, that, I haven't like, thought, they grow, don't it, they? Wow. It's like growing This is corn. a surprise you, for Newsom and the left. Yeah, you grow a tree, you cut it down, you use it, you mm-hmm. plant a new one. Guess what? The new one grows. And it takes obviously longer than corn, but it's just like harvesting corn. And it's a renewable resource that we and, and the the professional. Now, obviously, right, but now we're not talking about. So there are some endangered trees, like we wouldn't say a tory right. pines go in there no, and start I'm, logging. You know, uh, thank you, a hundred percent. Yes, so I'm sensitive about to certain lands, endangered the, species. The forestry lands in Northern California that are privately owned and right. are, were originally set up for this purpose. We have so many more trees right now in Northern California than we did 100 years ago, that that's part of the problem of the, the, the forest fire danger and the drought. The more trees you have in the ground, the more water they're sucking out of the ground. So that, that it, it, it confounds the problem when you don't properly, when you don't let the professionals manage the forest the way it ought to be managed. Yeah. And so then you still have that problem. Right. And then you look at the water issue, talking to State Senator Brian Jones here on the Mark Larson Show on AM 760, but flying back from Lake Havasu yesterday and, and then being out on the Colorado River and the lake 
much of the weekend and realizing, you know, the, in fact, I was talking to some people about that, uh, about the good old days when California got a whole lot more water. And then that started changing, even I think back in the mid 80s. Uh, San Diego County, as you fly over, our reservoirs are in a whole lot better shape than a lot of other parts of California. But, of course, we'll get penalized just the same way for the rest of the state. Well, we, you know, San Diego's done a really good job of um, making agreements with Imperial Valley. Uh, you know, Colorado River, we get, we get a lot of water from Colorado River. Uh, of course, the Met, you know, we get water from there as well. But Not as much as we used to, though. In Arizona, it takes more. Yeah. yeah. San Diego's done a good job of learning how to conserve and cut back on use. So that's been a big part of our, um, uh, you know, our situation as well. But the, the, the drought's going to affect us. I mean, it, it's, it's real. Well, with that in mind, if you clean all this up by the end of the day, Brian, we appreciate well, that. Well, we've got till Friday, actually. I mean, then, and then we then we take a break for a little bit, and then we come back for the last four weeks of session, which are always the so. What's the well, okay? The break after Friday, and and that's again the last chance for you or anybody to jump in the governor's race, uh, right, to, right. to get on the ballot. But then, when do you return? Uh, August sixteenth. Oh, okay. So, so, and then there's another break after that. Yeah, that yeah, we come back August sixteenth for a month. Um, and then, and that's a, you know, we, we hit the ground running pretty hard, you know, for that final month, cause that's the final, um, process of getting the bills out of either house into the governor's desk. Okay. So the, the right. so we'll break here. Here's the funny thing, Mark. Well, our, um, interim recess starts on September 10th, which effectively is September 11th, Saturday, the 11th of September. And then Newsom's recall is on the 14th. All these bills, there'll be hundreds of bills sitting on his desk waiting for signature. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, what he's thinking about, you know, all, all of that. Well, that's you know, a good point because result. he always gets hundreds of bills. I mean, I mean, we're not exaggerating that. If, if listeners are going, come on. No, that's not an exaggeration. But if he gets recalled and then if, if he is and one of the others in question, too, on the ballot become the governor, then that transition happens very quickly. So the new right. com- incoming governor could have hundreds of things to consider on the desk. Yeah, right. Is that... Without any policy committee, without any right. policy. Or, or does Newsom just jam them through if he feels like, oh, this doesn't look, and just, just sign them all or veto on whatever he's going to do before the 14th. These are added drama questions we'll consider. Right. For well, your I would consider. imagine, you know, I would imagine he signs the ones he likes for sure. And it vetoes mm-hmm. the ones he doesn't like for sure. So that decision is made, but all the stuff that's in between, you know, he doesn't hate it, but doesn't like it. You know, maybe, I don't know. That, that, well, that's we'll try to monitor his every little tick over the last, uh, the, the, today and the rest of the week. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Brian. See you later. I know you got to get back into committees and all that. Brian Jones, active, working, stepping out of uh, endless meetings in the state capitol in Sacramento here. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Mark Larson here, our number 800-760-5362. What did Fauci say? And what's Newsom thinking about boosters and forcing vaccinations? And I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. We would like to invite you and your family back to the San Diego Air and Space Museum in Balboa Park. Open every day. Come celebrate Apollo 15's 50th anniversary near the month of July. Big event coming up on the 31st, which is a separate ticketed event. But uh, check that out online, San Diego Air and Space org. And we have another family four-pack of tickets today for a museum admission. Any day, all the way every day now through the 20th, which happens to be the 52nd anniversary of the first moon landing on Apollo 11. A lot of Apollo stuff. So keep listening to win your chance to win the family four-pack of tickets to the San Diego Air and Space Museum. Big old jet airliner and space stuff and everything. 
Uh, it's coming up between now and noon. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Um, watching a lot of things, including um, Cuban uprising. Maybe this is interesting. I, I think Biden made a statement about Cuba being with the Cuban people, and that, that's helpful because they had a whole lot of protests against communism yesterday. And remember the Marielle boat lift? Remember that back in the Jimmy Carter administration? And I think Florida's crowded now. But is this when the Castro family regime gets toppled? We'll we'll watch that. And then uh, they're they're revolting in Texas. Well, the Democrats, apparently they're doing it again. They're doing a special session to get the voting laws to be more tightened up. Um, And and the Democrats in Texas, the state government, walked out a few weeks ago. So they brought a session back, and apparently 59 Democrats will walk out again. Oh, sorry, got to go. That's facing it head on. It's a, a lot of it has to do with voter ID and all the other things that get spun. Oh, on, the, on that note, you remember when the Major League Baseball organization took the All-Star game from Atlanta because of their restrictive Jim Crow-like voting laws, and they went to a state with even more restrictive voting laws, Colorado. So apparently the Republican National Committee has an ad they're running during the Major League Baseball All-Star game tomorrow night criticizing Colorado um, or, or criticizing the move. To Colorado, so that'll be interesting. I'm not sure where that will be buried. Um, also, Kamala Harris, um, she attending the uh, NBA finals. There, uh, that doesn't count as a border visit again. But she said some stuff going into the weekend about voter ID that really even got bipartisan, huh? She says that well, it's almost impossible for rural Americans to photocopy their ID. Is that her view of rural America, that there's just just no electricity anywhere? You know, these people. Huh? So there's that. Um, Gavin Newsom, um, who has single-handedly, as you know, uh, vaccinated all of California. Oh, that's right. We're not caught up yet. But the push is now to get the younger kids. And, And the question about will there have to be, with the Delta variant, will there have to be more uh, booster shots? Dr. Fauci, who appears every weekend on any television outlet he can find, said uh, there's no need for a uh, second booster now, for now, for now. And you know that Newsom with the emergency powers is holding on to that as well. The push, though, is to get the younger and younger kids to get the vaccination. Saw new TV ads today. You know, everybody's all sunshiny. It's safe. It's effective. Well, mostly, but but the push is 12 years of age and up. Dr. Wooten here in San Diego County, as you know, if you listen to the show here on AM 760, the Mark Larson Show, you know that she said recently that uh, six months to 11 years ought to be covered, too. And yet, the state of California announces through the public health apparatus of California on Friday that uh, school opens, uh, kids in, in classrooms, were, and they're still fuzzy on if it's all in-classroom butts-and-seats learning or if it's a mix but kids are going to have to wear masks one way or another, even though the CDC says, no, you don't have to do that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And you know what else has slipped through at the same time? This universal transitional kindergarten that's about ready to become a reality in California, which allows more indoctrination of little kids earlier. So currently transitional kindergarten, or TK, serves about 100,000 kids, primarily those who turn five between September 2 and December 2. So then they're rolling out in this SB 130. This is a bill that Newsom signed when no one was watching on Friday. It's the TK through 12 education trailer bill, and it clarifies some things related to the the budget for 21 and 22. Again, everybody's going to have to be masked up. So this has been offered in many of the largest districts, but experts now say making a year of pre-kindergarten available to all is a watershed achievement. But it's not just let's help the kids. It's called state um, control of your kids or your grandkids at an earlier age. You can't deny that. And now the big push will be keep wearing those masks, kids. By the way, get your vaccination. You've got to get other vaccinations. See if that is that going to cause any problem for Newsom with a recall? It should be a concern, isn't it? These are the things that are still lagging. It's not like well, June 15th came, it's all open. So more on all fronts, all these issues coming up here live and local San Diego's talk, AM760. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Mark Larson here on number 800-765-362. We've all known that Father Joe Carroll had been in some uh, challenging health for a lot of years, had uh, issues with diabetes, but that didn't keep him down. Um, I I don't think there's any more notable, consistent public figure that I can think of who um, has made such a difference in San Diego for so long. I mean, there, there are others in different realms, but when it comes to uh, dealing with the needs of people and just being consistent in his own right, uh, Father Joe Carroll, who who uh, would sometimes jokingly call himself the hustler priest because the guy knew how to raise money. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, but he's been here since uh, since the uh, the eighties, isn't that right, Mike? When when did you come to your uh, your first one? Yeah, because St. Vincent de Paul Center under the diocese then had started back in I think it was eighty four. Um, and today it's Father Joe's Villages. And one of the more effective uh, programs servicing the homeless and, and trying to make a difference in lives um, as opposed, and, and there's a lot of organizations out there doing it, but they really were among the first. And then Joan Crock came along uh, and uh, helped the uh, the Crock Center there uh, with, uh, if you don't know who Joan Crock is, the McDonald's Crock. Uh, heiress, as I always said, but she uh, she married a Ray Kroc, and then Ray passed away. You just own the Padres, and a lot of San Diego history in this. So a lot of people stepping up and putting money where the issues are. And then Father Joe would be out there always getting a smile, always. Uh, I remember MC, I emceed countless events where he was doing the invocation or he would be attending or whatever. One in particular, he did the, <laughs> did the opening prayer on a cell phone. Hello, God? Yeah, and it just kind of, just always entertaining he had a great spiritual quality, but the guy could raise money, and the guy made a difference. And, in fact, just put out his book in a couple months ago or so. Deacon Jim Vargas is president and CEO of Father Joe's Villages. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years since Father Joe kind of retired, but he never went away. And he's not going to go away now just because he passed, right? Mark, thanks for having me. You're absolutely right. He's going to be with us in spirit forever, and especially in the work that continues. His legacy will live on um, for the years, for years and years. I mean, we we have picked up on what he established, as you mentioned, and you mentioned so many good points, actually, dating back to the 80s. I mean, when he 
was assigned to this ministry of caring for those who are on the street suffering and back in 1982. And initially, a lot of people know that he took on that ministry reluctantly because he liked, he loved being a parish priest. Mm-hmm. And yet he fell in love with this new ministry because he fell in love with his new flock. And, and they were the ones on, on the streets. And if anything else, or if nothing else, I should say, what he wanted to impress upon each and every single one of us is that we should see the humanity of those who are on the streets. Yeah, and, and we sure they, do. And, you know, it's a fine line, as you know, Deacon Jim Vargas, because uh, in, in today's California, we have those who have tremendous needs and through no fault of their own have no place to go or don't know how to get into, you know, to get fixed and get to be productive. And there's, there's families and there's veterans and, and, you know, there's a lot of people with mental issues as well. Then there's a lot of people who come to California because it's a great place if you have to be on the streets. And, and, you know, that's the dilemma, especially as the numbers have been growing. How do you balance that? I mean, having been in, in this for some time, I mean, obviously Father Joe was back to the beginning. But I know he started, I think, just giving out peanut butter sandwiches just to meet people and hear them and try to figure out how to meet that. You know, it's a fine line balance, isn't it? Oh, well, it is. And you're right. He did start out just by giving yeah. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And now the budget's like $40 million with 500 employees. So it's grown considerably, you know. <laughs> it, really, it really has. It really has. But the, and yet the essence of what we do is still there. And the essence being that, again, just seeing people and their suffering, meeting them where they are, and, and helping them as best we can, providing the resources to tap into their potential. One of the things that Father Joe always saw was the potential in the individuals. And even though they, even though they may have lost hope, we wanted, he wanted to reinstill that, that potential and that hope in them and provide the resources that they needed in order to be able to lift themselves up. And that's what is you know, out of this state of homelessness. And so it was not for him to judge. Right, what had brought them to these circumstances. It was for him to extend the resources that were necessary in, in order to help them out of their situation. And and so in, in in so doing, he was helping the community at large to become healthier. Right. And how do you now at Father Joe's Villages, and I assume it's the same kind of thing that's been a successful formula for many, many years, for decades now, but how do you transition them? You know, when you meet some need, and, and maybe it's somebody who's coming to you for the first time, maybe they're coming with a family, what have you. How, how does that work out? And, and, and then what's the process to, to move them forward and encourage them to, if they need treatment, get treatment, or what have you? Right. The basics are still there. I mean, what he established back in the 80s was this, this comprehensive approach. I mean, when you mentioned your Joe Clark Center, the five years of his arrival in 87, he, he had a established that center, and it was the first of its kind in the U.S., and that's because he realized that what he needed to do was provide a one-stop shop so that anything and everything that was necessary for an individual to better themselves had to be there. And so, for instance, he knew they had health issues. And so he established a health center. He knew that they, they also had children. Some of them had children. And these children were suffering because of the homeless situation. So he established a therapeutic child care center. He knew right well that the, you know, they needed income. And how do you divide your income? You divide it through employment. How are you going to get employed? Well, you need marketable skills. So he put together an employment services center in order to impart those skills and help them find jobs. And, of course, it's the basic shelter and so forth. All that was the, the, I called it the basics in a sense, and it's, it's those basics that we still now employ. Of course, things have become 
uh, more complex um, in in some ways, and also the face of homelessness has changed mm-hmm. over time as well. And the, and and the issues, I mean, uh, of homelessness have changed as well. There's a lot of mental health issues that are out there as well, substance use disorder issues that are out there, and so you know it's become quite complex. But the basics are still the same. It's meeting these individuals where they are and providing the resources that they need and uniquely need in order to lift themselves out. Well, that's uh, that's quite a legacy. And, of course, uh, along the way, you, uh, Deacon Jim Vargas, I mean, here you're a New Yorker, and Father Joe Carroll was a New Yorker, and you didn't know each other till, till everything. Talk a little bit about how your road led here with Father Yeah, that's, Joe. that's an interesting. We love that. And Father Joe and I were reminisced on that many a time. In fact, just in the last couple of weeks, actually, we, we were talking about that very thing. We, we not only are both New Yorkers, we also come from the South Bronx and from the same two, couple of blocks in the South Bronx. I mean, how, how, how great is that? So that he, he was 15 years my, my senior, of course, so we didn't know one another. And at the time, that area in the South Bronx was very Irish. And then the Irish started moving up, and then Puerto Ricans started moving in, and I'm Puerto Rican. And so I, we moved in, we moved in. The, state, the churches that he had attended and in which he had worshipped, where he had been baptized and confirmed and received communion, were the churches I attended, okay, when, I, when it came to my time. And then he came out here to San Diego. It was here that he was ordained a priest. Similarly, I came out to San Diego separately. We didn't know one another. And I was ordained a deacon. A deacon. He was assigned to work with the with the homeless um, and the poor, and in time I was as well. And we would talk about that because it showed how God not only worked in His life and worked in my life, but works in the lives of each and every single one of them, or one of us, I should say, if if we allow that, right? And it's just a, it's just a marvelous thing. Um, and, and, and how, you know, how unique is that? I mean, and what are the odds of that, right? It shows such a small world. Well, it is a small world, and it's a tremendous legacy. And, uh, not, I mean, you've been in the driver's seat as president and CEO, but um, like any, anything, anywhere with any significant person, big shoes to fill. You've been there for some time doing that. But uh, what, what's the ultimate goal? Because, obviously, the, you know, we'd all love to not, not see people on the streets. If everybody, you know, I mean, there's plenty of jobs available now, more than, more than usual, but that's, that's a simplistic way of looking at the very complicated problem, but what would be the ultimate goal? Well, the ultimate goal is always to get people into housing, because while we may get people off the streets in the immediacy, and that's extremely important, so we can start working with them, they can be in a healthier situation and in a healthier environment. At the end of the day, a shelter is not a home. You know, the permanent housing is, is what is a home. So that is the ultimate goal. And just recently, Mark, in fact, in one of my conversations I was having within the last couple of weeks, and it was actually an emotional one between he and I, just the two of us, because there was a building that um, we, on which we broke ground a year ago this past January, and we're I'm happy to report that, you know, we're progressing extremely well and we're on schedule and on budget to cut the ribbon of that building in February of next year. The reason I mentioned that endeavor, Mark, is because, of course, he was the first one out there, mm-hmm. he Father Joe, building affordable housing for, for those who are on the streets. And so we just, we just continue that. This is a 14-story, 407-unit building, the promenade of which is dedicated to him. And I have kept that as a secret all these months. Okay, mm-hmm. it's hard enough to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. The reason I did that is because I wanted it to be a surprise for him at the unveiling mm-hmm. and at the ribbon cutting. 
And in the, in the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned, I was speaking with him. I said, Father, I need to share something with you because it became, it became quite evident that he wasn't going to be with us at that point, at least not yeah. physically. Yeah. And so I, I told him about the promenade. Right, and how it was dedicated to him, yeah. and and I just wanted to, and I got to tell you, it was emotional for me. It was emotional for him, and we just shared that moment about that. And and Mark, while he won't be there physically with us, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be there in spirit. Well, that that's indeed, and he was, uh, and continues to be after his passing, an inspiration to the city and, and and a model for you know a lot of ways to do things right. And and appreciate what you're doing there, Deacon Jim, as well. It's a yeah, uh, it's a never ending challenged by the nature of uh, you know, what happens on the streets and people during various courses of life and so forth. But uh, you've been a, a good beacon of light there for a long time, as Father Joe was. Thanks for sharing some of the memories, and good luck. Yeah, thank you. Right. Thank Take you care. so much. Appreciate it. All right, God bless. San Diego's Talk, AM760, Mark Larson here. And uh, coming up after the top of the hour, the flex alert that just keeps on coming. You heard uh, Brian Jones, the uh, state senator, mentioned last half hour, and I didn't even, I didn't even seen this, this big fire up in Oregon that's threatening a major power line into California. That could, if it gets ugly, that could mean blackouts. How is that happening? How's this happening? In the fifth largest economy in the world, that would be California. We'll talk about that with Chris Horner, who's been on the whole climate, environmental, uh, you know, why the state, this big estate, successful estate, gets in uh, backwards where... We can't keep the lights on, and we don't have enough water and all of that. Well, and you may have a hunch as to where that goes. I'll tell you more about that coming up. Howdy. You can win your share of over $200,000. Give it away 1000 bucks at a time. You can win just by texting the keywords when we give them out. So listen up and listen for them. Another chance to win 1000 bucks coming up in minutes on AM760 on the Kamala Harris story. <laughs> uh, she's... Uh, something uh, yeah, she she has time to go to the NBA finals but she's you know been to sort of the border like once and that was El Paso uh, not exactly going the 10 miles away to Fort Bliss where you could see the migrant stuff and, and you know and they're, they're doing some sleight of hand now to make that appear to be less of a crisis than it is but here's the account from hotair.com. What happened late on Friday? So, so Soledad O'Brien was on BET television, which is a good redundant if you say there's black entertainment television, BET. I don't need to say television. It's like ATM machine. So the interview didn't go well. Uh, I, I guess if you really think Kamala Harris is the sharpest tack in the drawer, the brightest bulb in the firmament, that somehow you say, this is great. She, whatever she says, it's just wonderful. When she says, we're looking at the root causes over and over again, that's fine with me. There doesn't have to be any substance there. She's just she's showing that she has the, the passion and she emotes. But the quote that's gotten the most attention from the interview is one about the lack of, uh, I, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, office supply places, uh, you know, Kinko's or UPS store or something. Where you can Kinko's always, Grandpa? No, it's not. It's not Kinko's now. It's it's FedEx, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't keep track of them all. Mailboxes, etc., became like UPS. Kinko's Grandpa, but that that just sounds that's just wrong on many many fronts. <laughs> it wasn't that long. Find out when FedEx, but I know what they are. Gee, touchy today. Um. Anyway, she made this blanket statement. Of they're trying to defend the voter ID, the the need for anything but voter ID. And it, it was the weirdest thing. It, it, 
this gets back to the old days when you say there was flyover country. In fact, I think Limbaugh came up with that first and foremost, you know, that, that the Dems, if you, and this is what Newsom has. There's some flyover country in, uh, in California, too. You go from Silicon Valley to Fresno or Bakersfield, and you find out what the rest of the state is like. But you know, people would go from New York to L.A. or San Francisco and then say, well, yeah, that, that middle part of the country, it's flyover country. We don't want to go there. There's a bunch of hicks out there, and they probably vote for people like Trump. So she says uh, it's almost impossible, her words, almost impossible for rural Americans to photo their ID. They, to photocopy the ID. Here's the uh, fact. I think I played this for you right here, Mike. This is with Soledad O'Brien on BET, Kamala Harris, late Friday, uh, trying to uh, defend why they don't want any form of ID and this whole voting issue. This is the big woke deal, right? So here it is. Soledad O'Brien talking with Vice President Border Czar Kamala Harris. ID, one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws... Be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. What the heck? (laughs) There's so much. She said Kinko's. She's not a grandma. She's not. uh, Wow. I mean, what's going on in her head? I just realized something. She she does this thing. She got the same look, the same reaction when Lester Holt said, "But you haven't been to the border before." She said, "Okay, I'll go to El Paso." And Kamala Harris, she leans back and she just looks like, and she gets this little, like look, like oh, we just have to be so compassionate. Which to me is in the middle of her, somewhere in her head. It's like, what do I say now? What do I say now? What do I say? We just we, there's no there there. She's. Footsteps away, heartbeats away from the presidency. That's just weird. Here's a little more. Just kind of underestimate what yeah, yeah. that could mean. And she nods and she smiles. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID. Oh, boy. And rural Americans don't have access to that. Wow. San Diego's talk, AM 760. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.